வெல்கம் டு கிரியேட்டிங் வெல் த்ரூ பேசிவ் அப்பார்ட்மெண்ட் இன்வெஸ்டிங் பாட்காஸ்ட் இன் திஸ் ஷோ வி வில் டிஸ்கஸ் அபவுட் பெஸ்ட் அண்ட் வர்ஸ்ட் எக்ஸ்பீரியன்சஸ் அபவுட் பேசிவ் அண்ட் ஆக்டிவ் அப்பார்ட்மெண்ட் இன்வெஸ்டிங் அண்ட் ஐ ஆம் யுவர் ஹோஸ்ட் ராமகிருஷ்ணா லெஸ் பிகின் த ஷோ டுடேஸ் அவர் கெஸ்ட் இஸ் நட்டாலி கொலோடிஜி ஃப்ரம் கொலோடிஜி டேக்ஸ் வெல்கம் நட்டாலி thanks for having me yeah thank you very much natali a uh, little bit about natali natali is a real estate tax strategist who has owned her own firm since 2017 she has invested in mobile homes and short term rentals since 2014 when not in the office she likes to do pottery take cruises and travel the world her overall focus for both herself and her clients is creating systems to allow for a life of financial freedom so no one needs to live their entire life in a cubicle so with that natali would you like to add anything to your background um nope that just about sums it up i come from a, a traditional tax background but i got into um tax and real estate at the same time and so i just became very specialized and now we just work exclusively with real estate investors sure thank you very much and your your overall focus is both Uh, on yourself and your clients mainly creating systems to allow for a life of financial freedom and your powerful statement no one needs to live their entire life in a cubicle would, would you elaborate on that from where you came on that point absolutely um i just kind of quickly learned that the standard expectation of just only funding retirement accounts and working until retirement age just doesn't afford kind of a life that most people want it most people end up just um working long hours and not actually getting to enjoy their day to day um and so that's how that real estate is one of the best ways for people to be able to achieve financial freedom and kind of have that um that value of their time back where they don't have to just you know work for the rest of their lives so when it comes to not living your life in a cubicle um i just realized early on that especially in the tax field and a lot of professional fields people end up you know working a ton of hours and working way past you know when they would really like to and ultimately they're not getting to live a life they enjoy and spend the time with their family that they really want and that's kind of how i found real estate and realized that it was one of the best ways to be able to kind of redefine your life and um kind of take back your time and set yourself up for financial freedom so that your whole life wasn't just focused on work and you could have that flexibility um and that um that income come from somewhere else so that you could take back your time great yeah thank you so would you share like a new tax strategies a new tax law changes relevant to multifamily yeah there have been a couple of things recently um that come related to the multifamily kind of area of is qualified leasehold improvements were recently updated not all but some multifamily has commercial elements to it as well and qualified leasehold improvements was a um category basically that was any kind of build out within a rental space so typically if there was like an office space and the landlord built out like the offices within it for the tenant or cubicles um there was an error in that when it was originally drafted in the tax cuts and jobs act that made it 39 year property and the cares act which came out this past year um is actually corrected that to be what it was supposed to be there was kind of a drafting error originally so that actually recategorized it as a 15 year asset um and that was really important because what that fixed was basically um it lets us write those improvements and those costs off all in one year because it's less than a 20 year asset 
and any asset with a life of less than 20 years qualifies for bonus depreciation, which is just a fancy way of saying we can write it all off that first year. So that was one major um, change fairly recently. They corrected that in this last year. Uh, And then another thing to be mindful of is the 199A deduction. So that came out a couple of years ago as part of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. And that 199A or QBI deduction is basically a 20% deduction on any business income um, for most businesses, anything not in a C-Corp. And at first there was kind of some gray area on if rental income qualified. And at the end of the day, it almost always does. There's a safe harbor that they release. That's kind of a checklist. If you meet um, situations A, B, and C, you can qualify for it. But at the end of the day, um, the tax code that defines what a business is from from that point of view is um, Internal Revenue Code 162. And basically, it just says, as long as you're involved with an ongoing and continuous intent of profit, that you should qualify as a business. So most rentals qualify, especially multifamily. And so if you um, end up with rental income from your rental, not a loss for the year, um, you want to double check and just make sure that you're receiving that qualified business income deduction and um, just make sure that your accountant is kind of looking at that and taking that into mind correctly because it's a a year-to-year test. And if you're a business, you um, should be having that QBI limit and those calculations applied. Got it. And you mentioned about bonus depreciation. Would you elaborate on that? What exactly bonus depreciation, how that works? Yeah, bonus depreciation. So normally when it comes to, to an asset, the IRS assigns something a life that basically says it's expected to last this long. So we're going to let you take the cost of it and write it off across this many years. For um, residential real estate, that's 27 and a half. On commercial assets, that can be 39 years. So bonus depreciation is a special type of depreciation that basically says any asset that has a life of less than 20 years can potentially qualify for this category of depreciation. And so um, what that lets you do is since it has that life of less than 20 years, bonus depreciation allows you to take the full amount in year one instead of spreading it out over seven or 15 um, or however many years it would normally have. Got it. Is it applicable only first year? What about like from second year onwards? And so you normally would take it the year that you purchase or put that asset into service. Kind of the exception would yeah. be if you do a cost segregation. Um, so an example of first year would be if you do something um, like there's a category of asset called land improvements. And this is another one a lot of people miss. And this is actually a 15-year asset. And this would be anything like your, your parking lots, uh, sidewalks, landscaping. So if you you know bought an apartment complex and the year you buy it spent $40,000 on a new parking lot and sidewalks, bonus depreciation would let you write that all off year one. You could use it in a later year. Um, if you bought an apartment complex and had a cost segregation study done, and what cost segregation allows is basically um, an engineer essentially breaks out all of the value to the purchase instead of just having it be building and land only, it breaks out all of those components. So it'll assign a value to the sidewalks, the parking lot, the swimming pool. And even if it's 10 years after you bought it, we can still, with a cost segregation, break out those components And um, using a form 3115, which is a change in depreciation, we can change that life 
to these shorter lives for those new smaller components. And then it would qualify for bonus depreciation, even though it's in a later year after purchase. Got it. And thank you. And normally, like from passive investors point of view, like they will get K1 documents and uh, and also like, you know, passive invest losses. So how that will be calculated? Yep. So when you're passively invested, when you get a K1, it's going to give you your summary of the income and expenses from the property. So this indicator might do a cost segregation or might break out these expenses. Um, If you're invested passively, you won't really get that decision-making ability. So you're just going to have kind of the summary of that on your K-1. But your K-1 will also and should also separate out specifically that QBI deduction. Um, So most people are invested in a partnership. And so if you're in a partnership syndication um, on your K-1, you'll want to look at box 20 and just make sure you have some information there regarding that QBI Um, But otherwise, it's just going to give you that net amount. So you might have a a bigger loss for the year because at the partnership level, the syndicate did a cost segregation and used bonus depreciation to create these larger losses. So you won't necessarily always see a breakout of all of these things if you're passively invested, but you'll see that larger net loss from rental income. Got it. And how about like when property is sold? And what what kind of, you know, taxes like uh, in passive investors need to pay? Yep. So when they sell a property, you're going to have a capital gain on it, on the sale. So there's obviously kind of a few different things that'll come into play. Um, Depreciation recapture is one, which is essentially just that um, a portion of the write-off that was related to depreciation when you sell that comes and gets recaptured on the sale. So it's just a slightly higher rate. But basically, when you're passively invested in real estate, um, in the year when it sells, you're going to have some capital gain in addition to your rental income or loss. That'll be your net percentage of that sale. So it'll be your final portion after all of those things are calculated out. Yeah, got it. Thank you. Would you you share any any best practices, tips, tips or any kind of limitations on bonus depreciation? Um, Really the best practices for bonus when you're passively invested, there's not a lot you can do if you are the syndicate or you even if you have smaller properties. Um, The most important thing there is to work with a tax professional who understands how much of that can be broken out. Um, Because the best thing with bonus is like I said, it lets us write it all off in year one, instead of having to spread it out over 27 or 39 years where you only get a little bit of a write off. So working with someone who really can guide you on, you know, if you're doing a renovation, um, kind of how it should be structured, what items we can take as bonus depreciation, what we can't, um, so that there can be some strategy applied to maximize that first year write-off. That's really important versus just having it all lumped together and spread over that longer life. So it's just really keeping track of those details, making sure everything um, is just kind of monitored and planned for how it's done so that you can take the best advantage of that bonus depreciation. Got it. Yep. So would you share any of your best experience from, you know, bonus depreciation or tax strategies point of view? Yeah. um, So definitely a best experience would be when we get to kind of utilize that bonus depreciation and put that strategy into play for a client, um, especially where it's something that it wasn't looked at before. This is something that comes into play a lot with the burst strategy um, where clients will renovate a property before putting it into play as a rental. We've had several clients where their prior accountants didn't 
didn't really look into the renovation much. They just took it as part of the cost of the property. So one of the best things we get to do is go through that and break out those things that were missed and use bonus depreciation. And we've had clients, you know, have a change of 90 to $150,000 over the life of a property because of these missed items that we can break out and use bonus depreciation on. So it's a huge benefit and a huge advantage tax-wise. So you want to make sure you're really um, tapping into that. Got it. Yeah. So would you also share any of challenging experiences implementing bonus depreciation on any, any other tax strategies? Yeah. One of the biggest challenges is honestly the, the record keeping. <laughs> um, it's one of those things with tax where kind of we can, in order for us to do the most we can, we really need all of the little details. We need to know you know, how much was really spent on each individual project versus just the total cost of a renovation. And so the biggest challenge is kind of not getting frustrated and kind of keeping track of all of that in a um, in a way that just works for everybody so that it's all the information we need, but it's not taking up too much of your time to kind of do that. But if you can really capture all of that information and find a system that works for you, whether that's QuickBooks or a spreadsheet or a specific bank account or a combination, that's what gives you um, kind of that best opportunity to have those details. But that's probably the hardest part is just finding a good way to keep track of everything that both you're able to do without too much hassle and that will give the accountant the information they need. Got it. So what is your current focus and share something you're excited about now? Um, Something I'm excited about right now is that we, uh, myself and another real estate specialized um, tax professional are actually working on a nonprofit. And that is actually just going to be based on providing resources and tools and information for real estate investors when it comes to tax resources. So um, that association is called NERITS, the National Association of Real Estate Tax Strategists. And it is just going to provide tools and worksheets and kind of tax code and important information so that you can have it all in one place. So we're really excited about putting that out there for people because there's just a ton of incorrect information or um, everything's changing so quickly. So it'll be one kind of inclusive resource where nothing's going to be you know, sold to you. It's not a course. It's not anything like that. It's just a free resource for the public to be able to get information they need and also to find a real estate specialized tax professional. And they'll be listed through there as well so that you can find someone who's sort of past a, a certain level of knowledge that you know that they'll be able to handle your needs in that area as well. Awesome. Yeah. Anyone advice that have impact on you? Yeah, I would say the biggest advice and something that I always tell, especially new investors, is not to compare yourself to others. That just because someone says they, you know, have reached a certain amount of net worth or that they've gotten to this point by a certain age, everyone starts from a different point. So don't look at don't look at the horse in the next lane. Just look ahead and focus on what your goals are and reaching them. What someone else has or hasn't accomplished doesn't impact or interfere with what you are trying to do in any way. So just stay focused on yourself and, and try not to compare to others, especially with sort of their their highlight reel on Facebook or Instagram. Awesome. And any books that impacted your life and what? Yeah, there's um, quite a few books that I've read over the years, but the big ones for me, um, you'll hear these a lot from people, I'm sure, but The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Um, Clockwork is one I really like. That's more on sort of setting up your business in an efficient way. And it can be applied to real estate as well. 
And the four hour work week is probably my, my standard sort of first suggestion book to people who are looking to kind of redefine their life and um, go towards financial freedom. Um, that's sort of my first recommended read. Awesome. So how are you giving back to community? Um, well, like I said, right now we're working on that nonprofit that is kind of in the tax side of things. In addition to that, I also do um, volunteer work with a couple different animal rescues and I've fostered uh, bulldogs on and off. If you've heard me on earlier podcasts, you might hear snoring in the background and that's because there's often a bulldog at my house and they're, <laughs> they're kind of loud. <laughs> and, um, and so, yeah, working with animals, working with um, providing resources on the tax community are kind of my two main points. Cool. So how can listeners can connect with you, Natalie? Yeah. So the website for my business is uh, colotax.com. And then you can find me on Facebook at, at Kaladi Tax and Consulting is the Facebook page. You can also just add me on there. I have just a lot of people on my regular Facebook and share a lot of information on there as well. Um, and also on Instagram at uh, Kaladi underscore tax underscore boss is probably um, one of the other best ways to get kind of last minute updates and tips and just deadlines to make sure you're not missing anything. Awesome. And thank you very much. Thank you, Natalie. And thanks for sharing uh, new tax loss and bonus depreciation. Thank you very much. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. It's been great. Sure. If you like the show, please subscribe, share, rate, and review. And if you want to connect with me, please send me a message info at ushacapital.com. Thank you for listening. Creating Wealth Through Passive Apartment Investing Podcast. I hope you learned something from the show. See you in the next episode. Thank you. Any information provided from these shows are educational purpose only. As always, please consult with your own CPA, legal and financial advisor before investing. Thank you.